Look who decided to show. Sorry, I'm late. A wizard is never late. You're a slacker. You are causing a major disturbance on my time. If I don't leave now, I'll be late for being early. You're late. I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. If you ain't first, you're last. Now the early show, later, with Karis and Jeremy from 1027 The Peak. All right. Levels checking. Levels are there, good, man. Good. Oh, Jesus, but it's not great. It's not great. Hang on a sec. Stop, oh, stop. Okay, stop. Better. Okay, is that good? Better. Are we happier with this? I'm happier. Good. Hi, and welcome to the Early Show Later podcast. This is episode 139. Thank you, Peak Listener Haley, for counting, so we always know. Entitled, He's in the Barn. He's in the barn. That'll become uh, painfully clear when we get this podcast started. That's right. Uh, Today, the uh, audio table of contents for our podcast, we will eventually be getting to Mo Amir, favorite political pundit of the early show. He's going to be talking about Vancouver police budgets. and Exotic, sexy world. Oh, it is really a very saucy topic. Um, But it is an example of the province meddling in city affairs in a way that doesn't make a lot of practical or reasonable sense when it comes to who's funding the Vancouver Police Department. Anti-democratic. It really is. Let's just come out and say it. Let's just say it. So uh, Mo is going to break that down for us, uh, which is very helpful because sometimes these things can be confusing. We're also talking about the number one most popular dog breed. Now, this is out of the U.S., so it might be slightly different in Canada. And if you follow along, the answer will not surprise you. No. It's actually... uh, Shockingly unsurprising. Very predictable. (laughs) (laughs) Very predictable. Find out what that is. Also, another biopic of a famous musician is in the works, this time about Weird Al Yankovic. And the person playing that character, Daniel Radcliffe, will be portraying Weird Al in the biopic. Harry Potter. Yes, Harry Potter is going to become, you know, he's going to sing. We'll see what his singing chops are like. Most famous Hufflepuff. And so we get, we learn why Weird Al chose Daniel Radcliffe to play him on the podcast. Uh, We're also learning and growing, figuring out how to pronounce Squamish in Squamish. Yes, in the traditional indigenous language. Yes, exactly. uh, Squamish. But we use the Latin alphabet. To write out a language that did, would was not in any way related at all to the, so it looks to us weird and different. So we'll kind of break that down. Yeah, break down what those letters actually mean when you're saying them. Also, uh, Marvel comic, the very first Marvel comic has been sold. Marvel comic number one. Whoa. A lot of dollars. I mean, way before Hulk, way before Captain America. Wish I owned one, that's for sure. Ten cents it cost in 1939. Sold for a few more dollars. Amazing. A few more dimes. But we're going to start off the podcast with euphemisms. With the journey you took to Germany. And he's in the barn. Oh, Goche, sounded great. Somebody that I used to know. It's on 1027 The Peak. Good morning, you guys. It's 6.07. You're listening to The Early Show with Karis and Jeremy. Uh, yesterday, we were talking about the Scotia Bar- Burnaby 8 rings. Yeah, because it was part of the Triple PQ, which we play every morning. It is a fun trivia game where you can win a Peak Pen, the Triple PQ, the Peak Pen Pop Quiz. 
we play that every morning about 9.15. And yesterday, one of the questions, Metro Vancouver Landmarks, we were talking about Burnaby 8 Rinks. Which and I've always known it as. Yes, it's it's eight rinks. It's Burnaby Eight Rinks. That's what I've always known it as too. Uh, they added an extra four. It started off as just a four rink complex, and then in 1995 they added another four to make it eight. And you know, so for me, it's always been just eight rinks. But they changed the name of Burnaby Eight Rinks a couple years ago to Scotia Barn, which is hilarious. Which you know, I did, I didn't, I don't even remember that happening. Yeah, but it did naming rights for the local arena, which is yeah. fine. You know what I mean? Uh, every community needs money, and I don't want to pay taxes, so you get it from corporations. So Scotia Bank, I guess, was like, was like, oh, all okay. right, cool, we'll put our name on it, Scotia, uh, and then and then Barn, because it's kind of like a folksy, <laughs> folksy hockey sort of reference. Yeah, and then I was thinking about the barn, and for some reason, I just this memory of my mom and euphemisms came to me. I was in Germany with my mom when I was 20 years old and we were taking my grandpa's ashes back to hit the town where he was born, which is actually now Poland because after World War II, the border changed. But anyway. Europe, am I right? Exactly. Europe, so wild. Uh, So the area that we were in you know eastern germany into poland we were there are lots of family members like long lost relatives in that area and we were visiting them and my mom speaks german and so she was translating so we're going around to all of these relatives farms we don't really know them at all but my mom was translating and so we're sitting there in these in these people's living rooms and they're inviting us in it's very nice and so she's sort of talking in German and talking to me and talking in German and talking to me and trying to explain what's going on. And we're in this one, this, this lovely older woman's little farmhouse and, and she's talking to my mom and my mom keeps saying to me, oh, I, don't, I don't know where her husband is. I'm trying to figure out where her husband is. And I'm like, okay. And then my mom says, oh my God, he's in the barn. I'm like, okay, I, you know, what does that mean? And so she keeps talking in German, trying to get more information. She's like, he's in the barn. I think that means he's dead. And I'm like, what? Like, what are, what are you talking about? So I'm having this, you know, sort of English side conversation with my mom, trying to figure out, you know, it, does he's in the barn? Is that a euphemism for this man has passed away? Which is another euphemism. Is this guy no longer alive because of quote unquote he's in the barn? And so I'm. I just any time really, I, like barn comes to me. I feel I have this like visceral memory of being in this old little East German farmhouse trying to madly figure out if this woman's husband is dead or if he's literally actually just in yeah, the barn. Stop, stop, stop. You're on a farm? Yes, I was on a farm. You're on a farm? Yes. You're on a farm? Yes. And the woman says to your mom, he's in the barn? Yes. And your mom was like, he's dead? Yes. And didn't look out at the barn? Yes. For some reason, she's like, no, Garrison means he's dead. I'm like, what? What do you mean? And then you know what? It turns out he was actually just in the he barn. Was, uh, he was actually literally just, he same. walked in. He was like, I was in the barn. That was a literal translation. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. Speed is of the essence. Forget, forget Vancouver real estate. I think we finally have an investment for you. 
Um, you are going to need to go like Ryan Reynolds there in, uh, what was that movie you watched the other day? The Adam Project. Yeah, you need to travel back in time. All right. You need to make a 10 cent investment in 1939. Okay. And then today, you will have $2.4 million. <gasps> what? 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 Okay, what do I invest what? in 10 cents in 1939? What do I buy? Marvel Comics, number one. The very first Marvel the first comic? Marvel comic. Marvel, the comic, number one. What? I don't even recognize the people on the cover. Yeah, exactly. Who Who are the characters? Looks like uh, Flaming Man is uh, jumping out of looks like lava. Or oh, looks like Flaming Man has melted a safe door. Okay. Okay, and he's jumping through it. Yep. It's the Human Torch, the Angel, Supermariner, no, Submariner, and the Masked Raider are all featured in this issue. And then a dude... Who just looks so 1939. <laughs> yeah. He's just like his, he's in his, uh, he's in his pullover sweater. And the pants are and very the, high up. High weight. He's very, very, he would fit in today. High waisted pants. He's got a mustache, right a pullover sweater, and high waisted pants. That guy looks like a 2022 hipster shooting his little tiny pistol at Lava Man. <laughs> it's incredible. I don't know that that pistol's going to stop Lava Man. <laughs> yeah, the I'm guy sure just burned gonna... through a safe. Um, Marvel Comics number one just sold at auction, two point four million dollars. That's something I can add to my fake collection because I would love to own it. And they said this one is very cool because it actually um, has handwritten notes from the publisher. Oh wow! So so that that I can see how that would increase. Kind of the value. adds a little bit more to it. Yeah, I just think with how, I mean, just how massive Marvel is now. To have Marvel Comics number one in your collection. That's pretty huge. Like I would, if I was one of those A-list celebrities that, you know, I'm Iron Man, <laughs> like I'd buy it. Yeah. I or mean, I'm the studio or whatever. Like you'd think there'd be so many people. Yes. And I mean, and it's interesting too to say you were talking about those handwritten notes. Apparently, uh, one of them includes how Frank R. Paul got $25 for illustrating the cover, <laughs> for drawing the picture of the human torch coming at this 1939 hipster guy with his little pistol. This cover, $25, which now, in today's dollars, 510 Oh, I think that hipster is the Submariner. Oh, really? Yeah, in his pre-Fantastic Four days, I think. Like, it... it oh. It sucks that we're the radio. I wish I could show people the picture. I'm like, <laughs> you got to see this dude. It's like, you're not going to win this fight. But uh, yeah, man, I want it so badly. I wonder, it's a good cop. You know, do you read it? Like, if you buy it, I would read it. But yes, do you? I, I would read it. I, I'm. But you get big... like, you get the little tongs out and to change, turn the page. Mm, I'm a big proponent of using the things. I mean, even the special things. Yeah. Because I, I just. Looking at them, I, I don't know. I, you know, and then where do you put them? Like, if you have a special thing, it just ends up being in a box somewhere. And you're like, oh, I got a special thing. I never touch it. Like, I, it's better to then experience the special thing, I think. I think and to I, turn the pages, not in tongs, 
you know, not in rubber gloves. Gloves but and like, the tongs. Yeah, I think just, I just you know, especially I, if you spend $2 million on it. I mean, for crying out loud, just read it. Yeah, if I have $2 million to spend on a comic book, yeah, I'm I, reading it. I think you can probably just read it. I'm like throwing it around the room. I'm making paper airplanes out of it. I'm like, Whoa. Don't do that. Don't go that far. I mean, I'm just putting my cup. I'm just like, oh my God, don't put your cup down on my Ikea coffee table. Here, use this comic book. Put it on the comic book. Uh, I was messing around on the internet last night, uh, just you know, reading up on the North Shore here in our fair Metro Vancouver area. And uh, and I was learning uh, the Squamish Nation because I was learning just about that area. Um, the Squamish Nation is, like, a, you know, it's a big chunk of land. There are 4,000 members. Uh, it's a very vast territory and it and it runs from North Vancouver to the city of Squamish. And then I found a YouTube clip, and I've been wondering this, how to pronounce Squamish in the Squamish language. And when you see it written, uh, you know, it's spelled S-K-W-S-K-W-X-W-U-7-M-E-S-H. Seven? Yeah, I do see that right? in indigenous writing. I'm like, what is the sevens about? Exactly, and I I haven't known, and I don't know how do you pronounce the seven? Like, how, how does that work its way in? And so I found this YouTube video, and it's and this uh, Kelsilum is explaining it, and uh, Kelsilum it lives locally. I'm not sure. if... He lives on the North Shore or where exactly he is, but Kelsilum is. Uh, partially or potentially fully now fluent in Squamish. And uh, he's taught at SFU, I do believe. Anyway, this is Kelsilum describing that seven in Squamish and what it means. The seven in the middle of the word is just telling you that there is a glottal stop or a brief pause after the vowel, first vowel. You can kind of think of this in words like apartment, Nobody ever really pronounces the T like apartment. The T becomes a bit of a glottal stop. People say apartment. So the seven in the Squamish language does the same thing. It's just signifying that there's a brief pause after something. So in this word, you say Squamish. 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 And the seven is the glottal stop between the Squamish and Mish. So then anytime you see a word with the seven in it, that's... that's the glottal stop. Learning and growing. Yes. You're a wizard, Harry. Uh, killers doing when you were young. All right, so Harry Potter, uh, what's his name, Daniel Radcliffe? Yes. He's the guy who had the guns on his for hands. He had a movie where he had guns for hands. This was when he was all grown up and not yeah, Harry Potter up. anymore? So he was Harry Potter, and then after Harry Potter, he just does, and I, this is why I love Daniel Radcliffe, and then he just does the wildest movies. You know what I mean? He's like, look, I was a boy wizard in one of the biggest movie franchises ever as a child. And now as an adult, I just do what I want. And I, good for him. And I think also, I think, you know, if you sh- it's a good idea because, you know, then you're breaking out of that boy wizard thing. And you're and just being man with handguns. <laughs> exactly. Or literal or hand whatever. Guns. Yeah, just go wild, go crazy, do lots of different things. Like, I'd love to be his agent. His agent must be so fun. 
Because when you get the most wildest scripts come by your desk, normally, you know, it's for Will Ferrell. And you're just like, well, that goes in the shredder. But if Daniel Radcliffe is my client, I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Great. I think he's going to really gonna, like gonna this. love this. So Daniel Radcliffe, is, he's going to be Weird Al in the Weird Al biopic called Weird. I'm psyched. I, this is very cool. I love it. And, and I just, I guess I, I close my eyes and just maybe surface level. I don't think Daniel Radcliffe, Weird Al Yankovic. I guess I'm used to Weird Al being an old man, but of course Weird Al wasn't always an old man. He used to be in his early, mid-20s. Yeah, too. and I'm squinting, and I can see it, Daniel I, Radcliffe's face. You know, if he's got... I, I do see it when you get the, the hair. hair and the shirt yes, and the accordion. Totally. They shared a picture of him uh, looking like vintage Weird Al, like 80s Weird Al, and I see the picture, and I see Weird Al. I'm like, okay, yep. Pretty good casting. Daniel Radcliffe was surprised he got this iconic role. Obviously, like, that's it's so like to be the person play Weird Al. Why he asked Weird Al, like, why did you choose me? And Weird Al said, "I saw, or Weird Al saw Daniel Radcliffe on a talk show ten years ago, the Graham Norton show, over ten years ago. It was 2010, and he's on this show with Rihanna and Colin Farrell." They're beside him on the couch. And he performs a satirical song called The Elements, uh, normally done by Tom uh, Lehrer. I think I remember it from the Animaniacs. I feel like that was sung in that show one time. But anyway, he sings just like just kind of like freestyles it on the couch. And Weird Al saw that and always remembered it and was like, oh, I love... Tom Lehrer and I love that song and they were influential to Weird Al and to see Daniel Radcliffe just be into it as well that stuck in his head and when it came time 10 11 years later to cast him in his movie he thought of Daniel Radcliffe doing the elements there's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and uranium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, and americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, ruthenium, vanadium, and anthium, and osmium, and acetine, and radium, and golden protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, thorium, and thulium, and thallium. There's yttrium, and terbium, actinium, rubidium, and boron, gallium, and opium, and and silicon, silver, and barium, bismuth, bromine, lithium, beryllium, and barium. And let's start the next verse. There's volume in here. Right, he just keeps on rolling. Rihanna and Colin Farrell are kind of laughing at him, but kind of not. No, I'm impressed. He's still going. And cadmium, potassium, chromium, curium. There's sulfur, californium, and fermium, bacillium, and also mendelevium, arsenium, nobelium, and argon, radon, neon, and argon. Hold on, twice, quiet. Californium, fermium, bacillium, and also mendelevium, arsenium, nobelium, and argon, radon, neon, krypton, xenon, zinc, and rhodium, and chlorine, carbon. Cobble, copper, tungsten, tin, and sodium. Now, yes! Wow. Yes! This is like a nerd festival. It's this a nerd festival. Magic. Rihanna and Colin Farrell are beside him <laughs> trying to be cool. You can't be cool in that situation. No, when there's that much nerd power, you can't be you cool. Just, you just sit back and just experience it. And I, hearing that, yeah, of course you're, you're Weird Al. And now I'm squinting. I can see the glasses and the hair and the mustache. It'll work. <laughs> I always feel weird talking over the. Oh, I, would, I, would, I would as well, for sure. Yeah, so uh, that's just the end of Dreams by the Cranberries on 1027 The Peak. Good morning. <laughs>
It's the early show. Is it an Adam Sandler bit where he's like, respect the completion? Uh, I feel like um, is that an might be. It might be an Adam Sandler. Yeah. Respect the completion. And anyway. so the completion of Cranberry's dreams is... I think about it every time as a radio DJ. I want to talk over the back of the song and then I go, respect the completion. Exactly. <laughs> Let those, those whales go. <laughs> hey, it's the early show with Karis and Jeremy on Animal Cast this morning. All about the top dog in the United States of America. What is the most popular breed of dog in the U.S.? According to the American Kennel Club for 2021, the Labrador Retriever. Wow. Wow. First time win? No. The 31st time in a row that the Labrador Retriever has won top dog in the United States of America. Okay. The Tom Brady of dogs. (laughs) Yeah, this is exactly what this is. The Labrador Retriever. And I get it. You know, they're very adorable. They're cute. They're affable. They're good family dogs. They look like they're smiling. Yes. And they're sort of a little bit goofy, is kind a, of. Is a golden retriever a lab? It's not a Labrador retriever. A golden retriever is a slight variation. Yes. All right. Yes, I, I do believe so. I mean, with a, I'm not a dog breed expert, but yeah. I think they're slightly different. Must be a little different. So 31 years in a row, the Labrador Retriever has won top dog in the U.S., which I think is kind of boring. Oh, totally. You know, I mean, I get Unless it. Unless you have a lab right now and you're like, shut up, you <laughs> I understand winners win, but, you know, what, like, what happened in the 1970s? Because they didn't break into the top 10 list in the U.S. until the 1970s. And then they became the ninth most popular breed in the country. And then they've held the number one spot since 1991. (laughs) Yeah, in the 70s, they were just like, it's just a dog. (laughs) Yeah. Like, whatever, dog's a dog's a dog. Yeah, it's like, no, we like Bichon Frise's in the 70s. (laughs) Yeah. Look at that little Bichon. And then all of a sudden, the 90s were like, that's not grunge enough. No, apparently not. Uh, The 10 most popular breeds of dog for 2021 were uh, after the... Labrador Retriever, French Bulldogs, Golden Retrievers. Oh, see, there you go. go. Slightly different. German Shepherds, Poodles, Bulldogs, Beagles. Beagles are quite cute. Rottweilers, Pointers, and Dachshunds, which are also wiener dogs. Okay. It seems like all the dogs are pretty standard. I mean, Yale Town, I think I saw all 10 of those dogs at the dog park. And then- Stepped over the poop trying to get to my car. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, I like following uh, dog pup influencers, pup fluencers on Instagram. And why do you like that? Because then you get the dog pictures, but direct from the dog. You know what I mean? I want to get direct from the source. I don't want a middleman or woman. I don't you, want a person you being want- like, oh, cute animals. I'm going to select. I want the dog giving me the dog's take on the world. Yeah, you want the dog actually taking the pictures? I want the dog taking the picture. I want the dog... I want it just to be dog forward. I don't want any people involved. So I follow Ace Man the Golden. And what kind of dog is that? Golden Retriever. That's why I was concerned. Ah, Because Ace Man always looks like he's smiling. Yes. Okay, so then here's the beauty. This is where I'm going to correct your guy. All of your algorithms are getting corrected right now in this show. Because you're like, oh, I don't want to read terrible news. I only want pet animals. Get rid of people. Follow dogs. Follow your first dog. I'm going to recommend Ace Man the Golden, but pick whatever dog you follow that you love that speaks to you. Then, (laughs) the number one people who follow 
pup influencers are other pup influencers. Naturally. So then you just start clicking on the comments and it's just like, then like, you know, Gary, the French bulldog is like, oh, Ace Man looked like you had fun <laughs> at the park. Lucky guy. Good boy. LOL. Paw print, paw print emoji. I click on that guy. Follow. Then I'm on there and it's like, you know, Beverly, the poodle is like, Oh, Gary, the French bulldog, your life is whimsical. And I'm like, okay, I follow. You know what I mean? Then <laughs> your then, algorithm is completely hacked. And then do you ever get Tabby the cat responding on there being like, hey. No, I'm allergic to cats. I don't even have them on my Instagram. All right. Well, I recommend it because they're very, they're very, they're smart. They're sassy. And they will <laughs> respond to the dog posts being like, hey, dog, why'd you eat your poo again? Oh. What? <laughs> GMT on 1027 The Peak, the early show with Karis and Jeremy. And we were just talking about the American Kennel Club uh, saying that they're, they've reviewed all of the stats in the most popular dog breed for 2021, the Labrador Retriever. Is a German Shepherd on the list? Yes, yes, yes. German Shepherd is on the list. What number? Yeah. Uh, I think one, two, three, four, five. Do better, German Shepherds. <laughs> uh, we got on the phone right now. Don wanted to talk dogs with us here. Hey, Don. No, I got to tell you something. I count dogs. I love dogs. And when I heard you say that, I had to call back. But um, I count dogs. You're going to think this is so weird. We live in North Vancouver. We go up to Lynn Valley. Uh, we had a uh, Shih Tzu for 18 years. Yeah. And uh, the thing you said about dogs is so amazing. Yeah, counting dogs totally not weird. Yeah, counting like as you pass them, you just, you just keep track of oh, how no, many I you know, see. I know it sounds so crazy. No, it totally doesn't. No, I love dogs so much. <laughs> you know, having a dog for eighteen years is like having a child, right? What is the most amount of dogs you counted on one walk in Lynn Valley? On one walk? Yeah, uh, we're talking down here uh, by the bridge. My husband goes of the second. The most is thirty-two. Oh, that checks out. That That's makes a sense. Lot. That yep. makes sense. Oh, yeah, right, one cool. walk, yeah. Speed is of the essence. The Early Show welcomes to the program host of This is Van Color on Check Sundays at 7 and our favorite political pundit, Mo Amir. Mo Talica! <laughs> Karis, Jeremy, how's it going? Right on. Great, great. Glad to have you with us, Mo. It's been about a week or so. We were great off, up. so great to be chatting with you again. Always a pleasure. Now, on Friday, you had an opinion piece in Vancouver is Awesome. A hot uh, take. Yes, a hot take talking about how Vancouver City ha- is being forced to add a lot of money to its policing budget. Yeah, so some background here. Uh, the city of Vancouver funds and is accountable for the Vancouver Police Department, meaning that the city of Vancouver pays for the VPD, and the VPD basically makes up more than 20% of the city of Vancouver's operating budget. And back in 2020, uh, we had this global pandemic. Do you remember the pandemic? COVID, yeah, I, I, those wild times? I do. I was there. Yeah, we lived it. We lived it, yeah. Mm. Uh, And the city of Vancouver, as a result of the pandemic, lost about $89 million in revenue. And that's money that the city was expecting to collect but didn't. So the city then had to cut the budgets of nearly every department to make up for that shortfall of cash. 
At the same time, the police, the VPD, wanted a budget increase of about $5.7 million. And in December 2020, Vancouver City Council said no, they would maintain the current policing budget, which was around $316 million total. And this is important because this is not some defund the police measure. This was not a budget cut. It was a budget freeze at a time when other city of Vancouver departments were facing cuts. So then back in March 2021, the Vancouver Police Board appealed the city's budgetary decision basically by going to the government of British Columbia and saying, hey, we want this budget increase of $5.7 million. Since then, the city of Vancouver did increase the VPD's budget by $25 million in 2022. But then last week, the BC government under the BC Director of Police Services said, hey, uh, the VPD should not have been denied that $5.7 million budget increase back in December 2020. And effectively, now the government of BC is forcing the city of Vancouver to increase their policing budget by that $5.7 million. Although, like I said, the city had already increased the police budget by $25 million in 2020. And to be clear, this is not a court ruling. It's the province of BC obliging a municipality, the city of Vancouver, to spend more in its budget, which uh, has to be accounted for by cutting other services or raising property taxes. Now, no matter where you land on police budgets, if you want to decrease them or increase them, this whole procedure is problematic because, as I said, the VPD is the responsibility of the city of Vancouver. And if you don't like the decisions that the city of Vancouver makes about policing, then you can vote in a new mayor and a new council this October. But because of a provision in BC's Police Act, the provincial government is forcing the municipal government of Vancouver to spend this uh, about $6 million on policing. And so my argument is that, listen, if the government of BC says that it's responsible for sufficient police funding in municipalities, then the government of BC should pay for this increase. It just doesn't make sense that the province is forcing a city to pay for things uh, because ultimately uh, what they're doing is undermining the authority of the municipality, of the city of Vancouver, and the will of Vancouver voters. And is this just a, I mean, this is a weird specific kind of loophole where, where the government does have the ability to force the city to do this? Yeah, as I mentioned, it's a provision in, in BC's Police Act where even though the, the city of Vancouver is wholly accountable and responsible for the VPD and policing, uh, the government of BC in sort of an umbrella term is responsible for making sure that municipalities uh, properly fund things like policing. So it kind of stepped in through this loophole and I think that also has to be amended. The BC Police Act has to be amended and give more authorities to municipalities in their policing because the municipalities are the ones that are paying for it. Yeah, exactly. This the you know it's the people of Vancouver who will be funding this. I'm the mayor, I'm just I'm taking the police chief aside and I'm just saying no one likes a tattletale. What are you doing <laughs> crying to dad at the legislature? Yeah, come on. Right? Like, let's sort it out You're ourselves. You're a police officer. I'm, I'm to, sure you've heard some sayings about snitches when dealing with criminals. Oh, yes. The, the sayings you've of snitches. You've heard some sayings about that? Yes. That's right. You should advise Mayor Kennedy on this. You know Jeremy? what? I've, uh, I, should, I should work for uh, Kendall Jenner, and I should work for the mayor of Vancouver. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the Early Show with Karis and Jeremy. 1027 The Peak. Alternative Vancouver. Okay, podcasting, fun and noble tradition. We all lived it together. We did, and we love to hear from you. Maybe you have some kind of euphemism, not 
Not one like, he's in the barn. And that means he's dead. Yeah, but something else. Which I'm pretty sure your mom made up. (laughs) She did. My mom, we had been doing a lot of touring around when I was in Germany with my mom when I was 20. And she had been doing a lot of translating for me because I only understand a minimal amount of German. And so I think she was just so exhausted. She was kind of losing it. I, you know, just, so, she was kind of delirious. She was in a German fever dream, and she didn't know what was happening. When you went on this trip, you know, you said you were 20. It's like, what, just you and your mom just tooling around? Kind of? It was actually me and my mom and my aunts and uncles, like my mom's older siblings, because we but all— Not your brother, not your dad, kind of. No, they had to stay home, so I went— You was I, like, sure, mom. I'll, yeah, I was I'll like, yeah, I'm Germany. 20. I, I would love to go to Germany and see the town where grandpa oh, yeah, of course, grew up. So cool. Yeah. Did you guys do other things on the trip besides visit farmsteads of people you don't know? Like, no. Did you go it, to Berlin? Uh, oh, um, yes. Yeah, sorry. We did. We were in Berlin on the way there. We stayed in Berlin for a few days. Yeah, Not yeah. long. We Check didn't have a lot out. of time. But yeah, we Just were. Just to be like, ah, it's a city. Uh, we saw a tourism thing. All right, let's go. Yes. And also, I remember from that stop, we went to Checkpoint Charlie, which the Checkpoint Charlie Museum, which was when uh, Germany was cut into East and West Germany. Yeah. Uh, there was a main gate between the two sides in Berlin and it was called Checkpoint Charlie. Oh neat. And and there was sort of like no man's land for I don't know how many meters, but it was a pretty, you know, pretty wide strip of no man's land between East and West Germany, of course, with concrete and barbed wire and machine guns. Machine and guns and all that kind of stuff. And uh, now that's gone, but in the place of that there's a museum. And so oh, cool. I went I went and saw it and ch- checked it out, and um, and that was really interesting. Just reading all the stories of people over those decades who tried to escape East Germany, uh, some who were killed, some who succeeded, and all the various ways that they tried to escape. That was part of it. I mean, there was more there. I can't remember all of it now, but it was really interesting. And then my mom, who went and visited East Germany when the wall was still up it was would have been in the late 60s or maybe the early 60s she went there when she was pretty young to go visit family and she went through checkpoint charlie and so oh, like she, she like remembers flies being to there. west germany yeah she's got her visa or whatever she's got yep. a reason mm-hmm. oh whoa and then she went through that that military checkpoint and into east germany for a you know i don't know she was there for like a week or something in the 60s when the wall was still there Uh, And uh, so she described, you know, having had experienced that and then being back once the wall was gone. And it was just a museum, which was kind of interesting. I think it would have been so wild. Like, I wonder if your mom remembers this, but it's like when you're like going to Berlin in the 60s and then you go into like East Berlin, you know, like did did it like dramatically change? Are you just like, I'm in this vibrant, fun city. And then you go to East Berlin and you're like, everything's not as vibrant. Yes. Noticeable. Noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Just a a totally different vibe. And I remember then when I was there, 20 in East Germany, traveling around to these various farms. Places, yeah. and, And I had like a broken German English conversation with this older couple who had a really cute little farmhouse yeah. somewhere in East Germany. And they were talking to me. And I was 20. So when this would have been early. 2000s, I guess, like 2000, I guess. That's when it would have been, in 2000. And so it hadn't been that long since the wall came down, really, at that point. 
because the wall came down in 89. Yes, yeah, 11 years maybe. Yeah, and they were talking to me about how they were showing me their farmhouse and how excited they were about the, the things they were able to finally buy. Like, they, you know, they could buy wallpaper oh. and they could get, like, new windows and stuff like that. And before, when the wall was up... They couldn't get things like that. They're just, like, they there just didn't exist. There was window from yeah. window store. And you would wait for a very long time to get a window. You know, you'd be on a list and maybe six months later you'd get a window. We'll get to potentially. you. Potentially. We'll yeah. get to you. We'll get to you. You'll get your window. Just hold on. So they were really thrilled about their showing me. They're like, look at what we've done. And, of course, I'd never seen the place before. So I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> you know, like, wow, you know, know it was super cute. You guys cute. clearly don't get HGTV, but the <laughs> wallpaper is not cool right now. No, it That's why it's good for you. <laughs> it was it was super adorable. And, I you know, know I could only. I would say about that. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I could only understand half of what they were saying, but they could probably only understand half of what I was saying. And we did a lot of hand motions and movements. And yeah, it was really cute. Between their half and your half, that's a full. That it was a full conversation. I think that's totally. how the math works. We figured it out. He got through it. We got through it. Yeah, I just think that would be such a cool trip. I think it would be such a cool trip uh, because, like, you know, like you know, if I go to Germany, I'll, I'm, I'll be a tourist. Yeah. Um, but you got to, like, tool around. You know what I mean? Like, you went to the German-Polish border region. Yeah, I went and, through that and border you went crossing, to, like, too, yeah. Towns I probably would not have even have thought to no. go to. No. And no, you're exactly. like, but that's my destination. Yes. I just think that's kind of neat. It's yeah. always a neat way to see any... Anywhere, really. You know what I mean? You can go, and then you... We go, go off the beaten path. You go off the beaten path. You're going down... The rabbit r- hole. Rural route, whatever, yep. that, that a normal tourist or even backpacker wouldn't do. And I think that's cool, right? Yeah, you, it's a really cool way of seeing a place. Yeah, I mean, there's family, so you get to, like, live it a little bit. You get to eat some real food and live oh, some real man. lives. And, oh, and we ate so much food. Oh, my yeah, God. I ate, cool. like, we would go from a place to place, and every time they would have a feast like they just lay out all of the baked goods that they'd been making for days and they're like have more food and I'm like this is my fourth stop today I don't know how many German pastries I've already consumed or how many loads of asparagus covered in butter that I've eaten but like wow (laughs) I like I didn't know thank you I didn't know that you could eat this much in a day but apparently and I'd touch down in Berlin and be like everything is scary and strange to me oh a Starbucks you know like that's (laughs) how I operate so I just think that's such a neat way to do it it's so cool Um, All right, guys thank you so much for being a part of the the podcast if you got a euphemism did we say you said the twitter yet or did we get off uh track? no no say then the we twitter got off track we did uh if you got a euphemism uh at karis hogg c-h-a-r-i-s uh h-o-g-g i'm at jeremy underscore baker you uh tweet at us a euphemism that maybe your mom or dad say that you're just like that doesn't make any sense um <laughs> and we'll hook you up with the chips there's always prizes for people that tweet at the show uh my name's jeremy she's karis you're listening to the Peak on 1027, the early show later podcast, and we'll do this again tomorrow. Bye-bye. See ya. Nothing can kill the grimace. All right, we're done here.